There's a $7 billion bid reportedly in to buy the Washington Commanders, and that's where the good news about that offer ends. That and more on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Welcome in, Commanders fans of the Locked On Commanders podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day this is your daily podcast covering the washington commanders please subscribe or follow for free on youtube or wherever you listen to podcasts so you always get the latest episodes when they drop i'm david harrison credential member of the media covering your washington commanders for commander country part of sports illustrated's fan nation you can find me there here or on twitter at d harrison 82 or you can also text me at any time at 202-760-2644 I want to thank you for making Locked On Commanders your first listen or your first view today and every day. And of course, a special shout out, as always, goes out to our everydayers out there hanging out with me five days a week as I'm hanging out with you, talking everything, going on Commanders, the latest news, developments, analysis, rumors. And I appreciate you for coming through and hanging out with me as well. There are some contract developments that came on Monday, which we will discuss today and we'll evaluate Chase Young's fifth year option value as Coach Ron Rivera mulls over his decision to exercise it or not. But first, a wrinkle that came up at the end of last week in the saga involving the sale of the Washington Commanders. According to our good friend Darren Haynes and others at WSA9, your CBS affiliate in Washington, D.C. area, there is a competing bid that is trying to complicate things for Josh Harris's group that reportedly has an agreement in principle to buy the team from Dan and Tanya Snyder with Haynes, Darren, reporting, quote, the bid being discussed was being made, was made by D.C. native Brian Davis as a $7 billion cash off. Bid details were first reported in March by the Sports Junkies on 106.7. Documents obtained by WSA9 confirm the financial details of the bid made by Davis on March 21st. According to the documents, Davis is offering to pay the first $1 billion to Dan Snyder within 24 hours and $6 billion within seven days. Davis is also willing to indemnify Dan Snyder as a condition of his offer, according to the March 21st letter, meaning Davis is willing to take on any legal liability related to Dan Snyder and ongoing investigations into the team. Sources said Thursday afternoon that Dan Snyder had reached an agreement with an investment group led by billionaire Josh Harris to sell the team for $6.05 billion. The deal would be the highest price paid for a North American professional sports franchise, Forbes estimates the team is worth about $5.6 billion, end quote. Now, like the WSA9 report says, this is really stemming from the offer that Davis made earlier in March that was reported by the Sports Chunkies again on 106.7. At that time, I wrote up a piece about Davis for Commander Country on, on Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, uh, who was, again, looking to get back in the or looking to get in the mix back in March. So, For those who don't know, Davis attended high school in Bladensburg, Maryland, before eventually attending Duke from 1988 to 1992. So Davis is a local product. He and his Duke teammates, the Blue Devil teammates, won two NCAA championships, uh, and Davis ended up being a second-round pick of the Phoenix Suns in the 1992 NBA draft. Never played for the Suns, but he did play for the Minnesota Timberwolves in the 1993-1994 season, his only official season of NBA action. Fast forward to 2006. In October 2006, Davis and former Duke Blue Devils teammate Christian Leitner entered into an agreement to purchase 70% of the NBA's Memphis Grizzlies. And even though that's a long time ago, the NBA was still a lower value league 
than the NFL. Uh, so again, you're talking about much less money than you are in an NFL deal. That deal did end up falling through because of insufficient funding. And the end result included not only hurt feelings and not buying the team, but lawsuits that came from NBA legends like Scottie Pippen suing both Davis and Leitner for $2.55 million uh, at the end judgment. Additionally, the duo, Davis and Leitner, started a real estate company that resulted in even more broken promises, even more millions of dollars in lawsuits. As of 2016, it was reported that Leitner owed more than $14 million to several creditors and private individuals that included a list of former NFL players. Now, I don't know how much of that 2016 reported $14 million debt belongs to Davis and Leitner combined, how much of it is just Leitner's, how much of it is just Davis's, but it's a big, big number. And it's just a lot of business missteps uh, that Davis has been involved with since he left uh, his basketball playing days behind. And that is certainly, again, something that the NFL owners are going to take pause on, something that they're not going to like to see. And when you're talking about handing a franchise from one troubled owner, you don't want to bring in another owner with a history of troubles. Uh, and that history is not just in the past because on Monday, former NFL linebacker Sean Merriman weighed in on the topic, tweeting, quotes, BS, Brian Davis doesn't have the funds, tried to get me for $3 million, took him, paraphrasing, to court and won $4 million. He owes a bunch of athletes money. The other owners will never approve this, end quote. So uh, I know the report's out there. And look, it's it's you know, WSA nine is not going to put something out that is not a legitimate report. So it's a legitimate report, but whether or not Davis is capable or has the funds to actually make the deal happen, that is the question here. Uh, according to history, it would say that probably not. Sean Merriman says that uh, he absolutely does not. And, but regardless, even if he does have the funding, I don't know if the NFL wants to be the proving ground for someone who's had so many missteps in business and in sports business, uh, as much as, as a guy like Davis has now. Monday afternoon, early early evening, I think, uh, shortly before I sat down to record this episode, Sportico, who reported the original non-exclusive agreement between, between Josh Harris's group and the Snyders to sell the Washington Commanders for $6.05 billion, also reported, quote, exclusive, the NFL has received the terms of the deal between Josh Harris and Dan Snyder for review as the sale moves one step closer to completion. Next, the league will review the deal and return it to the parties for alteration or, if approved, for signatures. End quote. So uh, it certainly looks like the Josh Harris bid is moving forward. The Snyders are moving forward with Josh Harris, according to all these reports. Does not look like this Davis bid is something that should really be taken too seriously. Um, look, Doc Walker uh, reportedly said earlier on, on a radio program that, you know, with, with this kind of stuff, especially with the Snyders involved, he's not celebrating nothing until everything is, is signed and dotted and sealed and the keys are handed over uh, and the Snyders are, are banned from FedEx for life. I'm with Doc. I'm not, you know what I mean? I think, I think, I feel confident telling you right now that this thing is done. Uh, and Josh Harris, Magic Johnson, uh, Mitchell Rails, and everybody else that's involved in that group will be the new ownership group of the Washington Commanders. But I'm with Doc. Until it's done, it ain't done. Hold your breath, cross your fingers, do whatever you need to do. But we are going to talk about some things that will be done sooner rather than later. And that is the biggest decision Ron Rivera has to make between now and the beginning of May outside the NFL draft. That is whether or not he picks up or declines Chase Young's fifth-year option. We'll talk about that next coming up here on Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we'll do that thanks to our friends over at FanDuel. Grand slams, no hitters, and double plays are back, and there's no better place to get in on the baseball action than FanDuel, America's number one 
Sportsbook because right now new customers you get a one or a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars when you step up to the plate this season. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. I'm not a big baseball gambler, but I did make $6 on the Denver Nuggets Sunday night when they put the smack down on the Minnesota Timberwolves. Whatever you choose to do, don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 by joining FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Thanks again for making Lock Talk Mayor's first listener review every single day. Every day or tomorrow is our live mailbag episode. So the topics are going to be up to you. Send your questions to lockdowncommanders at gmail.com, on Twitter at dharrison82, or in the YouTube comments, or you can text them 202-760-2644. As we presumed on this show, every day, as you heard me talk about it yesterday, you heard me talk about it earlier last week, Chase Young did in fact show up for the beginning of phase one of the commander's offseason program. And uh, if you look, if you look at the Washington commander's social media video that they put up of him walking the building, did not look too happy to be there. Uh, again, I'm reading into his body language. That's a dangerous thing to do. So we'll leave it at that. But basically, honestly, Chase Young didn't have a choice. If he wants to stay in Washington in his NFL career beyond this fourth season, uh, based on Ron Rivera's recent comments to Ben Standing of The Athletic, Regarding the decision, he had to show up here. Ron Rivera said earlier this Austin quote, that's the thing that will drive a big part of this conversation. As we continue to work through this and talk about it, it will be about seeing him, him being Chase Young, and watching him. Again, we get started April 17th. That was Monday. So we'll continue to work through these things, talk to the doctors, talk to the trainers, strengthen medical, and just kind of get a feel for where he is. Then we'll be able to make a decision and we'll go from there. End quote again. That was published by the Athletics Ben Standing. So essentially, if Young doesn't show up, then the commanders have nothing to look at. They have no opinions from doctors, trainers, strength and medical. They have nothing to see about where he is mentally or physically. And the decision is made. You decline the fifth-year option and you move into the NFL draft understanding that you're declining that fifth-year option. And now you have two defensive ends on expiring contracts. So that would be the simplest route, right? But nobody wants that. Everybody wants Chase Young to hit his potential. Chase Young wants him to. The team wants him to. Ron Rivera wants him to. We want him to. But the commanders do have until May 2nd to decide. Do we believe that Chase Young could hit his potential in this fourth or fifth year and prove to us that he's worth a long-term deal? If we do, then we exercise the fifth-year option. If we don't have that confidence, you can still believe that it might happen. But if you don't have the confidence that it's going to happen to pay the $17 million plus on that fifth-year option, then you hit decline on that bad boy uh, either before the draft or at least by close of business on May 2nd, uh, which is 4 p.m. Eastern time. Now, since he's there, right, since he showed up for phase one of the offseason program, which is completely voluntary, so let's make sure that's clear and Chase Young gets the credit that, that he deserves for being there voluntarily, they will now get a chance to evaluate all these things. We'll get a chance to talk to the doctors, talk to the coaches, talk to the trainers, and talk to Chase, most importantly, to kind of see where his mind is in his recovery process, in his his efforts to get back and stay back onto the field. Ultimately, however, it's going to come down to how the team feels about his potential and how that potential weighs up against the salary cap. This is a business, so dollars make a lot of sense uh, in this situation. And let's be honest, his production had stalled before the injury. You come out of the defensive rookie of the year campaign, and prior to getting injured against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2021, his production was not looking great. So coming through this, 
If we're going to evaluate what is Chase Young worth from a financial standpoint in today's NFL landscape, you have to look at the production. That's really what you have to do. And then you gauge uh, potential from there, but you have to start with the production. Through his career so far, since joining the NFL in, in 2020 through the NFL draft, Chase Young, among NFL defense events, has played in 27 games. That ranks 74th in the National Football League. Now, he's at 17 quarterback hits. That ranks 59th. Nine sacks. That ranks 42nd. 75 tackles, which is ranked 38th. 13 tackles for losses, which is 33rd. Six forced fumbles, which is 5th. And three fumbles recovered, which is 4th. So, 74th in games played. 59th in quarterback hits, 42nd in sacks, 38th in tackles, 33rd in tackles for loss, 5th in forced fumbles, 4th in fumbles recovered. And again, that's among all NFL defensive ends from 2020 through the end of last season. What is important from those numbers is the fact that Chase Young ranks higher in every statistical category uh, than he does in games played. 74th in games played, which means that in every single other category, he is above his games played pace compared to his peers. If that makes sense, he's better ranked and his production performance on the field than he is in how much time he spent on the field. I think it's very important when you're talking about projecting what can Chase do because when Chase is on the field, he is producing at a clip higher than the amount of games he's playing compared to his peers. Does that make sense? So I went out on a mission here to try to find who those peers are. Who can we compare Chase Young to when we're talking about the finances of what Chase Young has been able to do so far his career in his career to determine if that 17 plus million dollar fifth year option is financially smart for the Washington Commanders. And I found a, a person that's very similarly stacked to him stats wise, and that was Indianapolis Colts defensive end Quiddy Pay. Since 2020, both Pay and Young have played in 27 games. Pay has 20 quarterback hits to Young's 17. Pay has 10 sacks to Young's nine. Pay has 77 tackles to Young 75. They both have 13 tackles for losses. Young has six forced fumbles compared to Quiddy Pay's one, and they both have three fumbles recovered. Now, the issue with these numbers, right? So very, very even numbers. Again, now a lot of green for Quiddy Pay, but the numbers are very, very comparable. You're talking about slim leads in production, stat production. Remember, Quiddy Pay was a first-round pick himself coming out of Michigan, right? And and don't be wrong, the, uh, the, the irony of comparing a Michigan prospect to an Ohio State prospect is not lost on me and is going to come back again here pretty soon. So Pay and Young, very similar numbers since 2020. The problem is Quiddy Pay didn't enter the NFL until 2021. So all of that production from Quiddy Pay is 2021-2022 only. Young's production is 2020, 21, and 22. Again, that injury taking away a lot of time. But Quiddy Pay also had some injuries that he was dealing with that really kind of kept him from really bursting onto the national scene last year, I think. So Two very talented guys. But the problem here is Quiddy Pay is still on his rookie deal. Again, he was drafted in 2021. Chase was drafted in 2020. So Pay is still on his rookie deal. So he has he doesn't have a second contract yet. A decision has not made on been made on his fifth-year option. Now, I think if you push the Colts to make that decision right now, they would absolutely pick it up because you're getting that production in two seasons versus three seasons uh, in Chase Young's situation. So we had a reset. Go find a guy that kind of compares to Chase Young who has a second contract. Uh, Akeem Hicks, honestly, was the veteran defensive end that matches Chase Young's production since 2020 the closest, but he's also older. He's over 30 years old. The demographics are certainly impactful between Akeem Hicks and Chase Young. So I, so I didn't use Akeem Hicks as that comparative, so I went looking for a younger player. I'm looking for a guy who's literally on his second contract, and the guy I found is Denver Broncos defensive end Zach Allen. Now, if you're on the screen here on YouTube, you see him wearing a Cardinals uniform. That's because he is a free agent acquisition 
of the Denver Broncos this offseason. Spent his first four years with the Arizona Cardinals, a third-round draft pick. Uh, since 2020, Zach Allen has played in 28 games, one more than Chase Young. He's got 17 more quarterback hits than Chase Young. He's at half a sack more, 20 tackles more, two more tackles for losses. Chase Young has a six-to-zip lead on the forced fumbles, and they both have three fumbles recovered. So here you have a player in Zach Allen who has, has been in the league uh, longer, honestly, than, than Chase Young. Zach Allen has four years under his belt. Chase Young is coming into his fourth year. But since 2020, since Chase Young has come into the league, they both played very similar amount of games. Uh, Zach Allen, again, has doubled the quarterback hits that Chase Young has. He's had a half a sack more, 20 more tackles, uh, two tackles for losses. So the six force fumbles is really where Chase Young excels. And I mean, that's, that's an insane number for a defensive end to have that many force fumbles. I think that's where a lot of Chase Young's value comes in. But really, by and large, when you're looking at Allen and you're looking at Young since 2020, again, you're really going to say Zach Allen's been the better player. And uh, again, you look at the games played, very similar in the amount of games played. So I think that right there is going to be your cop because Chase Young at this stage in the game, like if Chase Young were a free agent this year, you're not getting more than Zach Allen money from a smart GM because G smart GMs don't pay just for projection. They pay for what's been happening. Now, you might get a little bit of a bump because you were a first-round pick, and we think we can tap into all that projection or all that uh, that that untapped talent, but you're not going to get much, if anything, right? So Zach Allen, what did he get from the Denver Broncos? In the 2023 offseason, Zach Allen signed a three-year deal worth $45.75 million. Among defensive ends, that's 10th in average annual value. There's two defensive ends on every team, guys. So Zach Allen, if you've never heard of him, it's not because he's not a really good player, and it's not because he's not getting paid really well. He is a top 10 average annual value defensive end in the National Football League this year. He's also 10th in practical guarantees. So the money that he's actually likely to receive, he's top 10 in that as well. Chase Young's fifth-year option is worth $17.5 million in, 24, in 2024. That equates to 38% of Allen's contract. So again, this is a guy who has been in the league one year longer, but he's still in his 20s. His production, we just put it up on the screen, is better than what Chase Young has been able to do since entering the league, since, you know, in the same time frame. And this is what Allen just got paid, $45.7 million. Again, 10th in annual average value. And you're talking about Chase Young on a fifth-year option eating up 38%, nearly 40% of that contract. And that's fully guaranteed money. We're talking annual average value. That's fully guaranteed money for Chase Young. Uh, not Where Allen, some of that money is not even fully guaranteed. Meanwhile, Young is coming off of an injury while Allen just set career highs in sacks, tackles for losses, and quarterback hits in 2022. So Allen is ascending. Chase Young, we hope, will be ascending. But as of right now, when you're making this decision, right, you have the next two weeks to make this decision. He is not ascending. He's just trying to get back on the field. So general manager Martin May, you said earlier this offseason that the team paid Duran Payne because they believed he deserved it, and they'll worry about the cap management factors later. He also said they'll do the same for defensive ends. So for Chase Young, have you proven to be worth more than 17 point or more than what Zach Allen is making? No, I don't think you have. I think if you're just being honest with it, you have not proven that you're worth more than that average annual value. $17.5 million on that fifth-year option is much more than that annual average value. So if you're asking me, if you're the Washington Commanders, do you decline that fifth-year option and potentially put yourself in a position where you got to pay Chase Young next year more than $17.5 million annual average annual average value because the same way you had to to run pain? Yes, you absolutely put yourself in that position because it also protects you if Chase Young cannot get on that level uh, from paying that money out. 
anyway. So if he can play at the same pace and stay healthy for all of 2023, then certainly you could earn a contract similar to Allen's, but that's still not $17.5 million annual average value. So it's just hard without consistent production, consistent health. It's hard. You can't justify giving Chase Young 40% of what Zach Allen just got when Zach Allen is producing at a better clip in the same time frame and similar games played. That's just one man's opinion. I know some of you out there have your opinions. Feel free to share them with me uh, as well. Coming up next, we're going to talk about some new contracts. Speaking of contract deals, some new contracts that came up, what they mean, uh, and how they'll impact the Washington Commanders. That's next here on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Contract situations to update everybody on, not just with the Washington Commanders. The first one we're going to talk about actually involves a division rival as the Philadelphia Eagles re-signed quarterback Jalen Hurts on Monday to a five-year deal worth $255 million. 180, only $180 million of that is guaranteed. $180 million over five years guaranteed. That's insane amount of money. Congratulations, first of all, to Jalen Hurts. The deal also includes a no-trade clause, which is the first no-trade clause given out by the Philadelphia Eagles in franchise history. Why is that significant to the Washington Commanders? Well, obviously, you're going to see Jalen Hurts for about the next five years, if not more, if you're a Washington Commanders fan. But also, Ron Rivera spoke earlier this offseason about the cost of signing or trading for key veteran quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson, like Russell Wilson, last year versus the benefit of developing a young quarterback like Sam Howell and spending the money on the roster, right? I mean, if you have Russell Wilson, if you go get Russell Wilson last year, yeah, the 2022 commanders probably do better. Do they win a Super Bowl? I don't know, but they probably do better. I think Russell Wilson fits in a Scott Turner offense better than he does a Nathaniel Hackett offense, but you're not paying Deron Payne with what Russell Wilson is costing you. You're certainly not paying both Montez Sweat and Chase Young. So you're losing more of your team in order to have the quarterback. Ron Rivera wants to build the team, insert a young quarterback, and if you get the, the blend right, then you can do some really good things. The gap also, for me, with this deal, I mean, five years, 255, 180 million guaranteed. Uh, the gap in pay between quarterbacks and the rest of these position groups is only getting wider and wider and wider. And honestly, I'm wondering, I think in the next five or 10 years, guys, we're going to see a trend in the NFL where quarterbacks essentially become prohibitive second term contracts the way that running backs really have you don't see a lot of running backs getting second contracts from nfl teams and if they do get a second contract it's like a three-year uh, deal where only one or two is really guaranteed and the team puts a lot of back doors in uh, to protect itself from potential injury because of how much running backs get injured and how quickly they really deteriorate for the quarterback position it's not so much how much they get injured or how quickly they deteriorate especially in their mid to late 20s but I think it's more so just how much of the salary cap these deals are starting to hit. I mean, you're talking about 20 to 25%. I think Deshaun Watson alone in Cleveland this year counts for 25% or next year counts for 25% of the Brown salary cap. That's a quarter of your bankroll gone before you've even paid anybody else. So you're talking about if you don't have a quarterback that literally elevates the rest of your team and makes the rest of your team better, you're contributing a lot of money to a position that may not work out. Uh, for you. So Jalen Hurts, I mean, that money comes with a lot of responsibility. And I just, I wonder if we're going to start seeing a, uh, an era of NFL football come in where you start seeing quarterbacks get drafted by the same team, maybe once every year, once every other year, let's start putting them in like we do running backs, start developing the guy behind them so that when that quarterback contract comes up, if you're not like one of the greatest of all time, we're going to let you walk. We're going to bring that other guy in 
uh, as a backup and then and develop him into a future pro. I just think that's that's the road we're probably going on uh, here with quarterback contracts. Uh, in Commander's direct news, All-Pro special teams player and backup safety Jeremy Reeves received his restricted free agent tender earlier this offseason. With Phase 1 beginning on Monday, he came in, he signed the tender, and he reported for Phase 1 of the offseason program. Uh, that deal will pay him $2.6 million in 2023. Uh, Jeremy Reeves, certainly a guy that you want to see sticking around the team. Happy to see him back in the building. Looking forward to seeing him during uh, OTAs and training camp again. One of one of the best energy guys in the locker room, uh, again, at least from a media standpoint. Reeves is now scheduled to be an unrestricted free agent, however, in 2024, unless the team can work out an extension with him, which I personally certainly hope that they do. And I hope that you come back tomorrow and every day to catch more episodes of Locked On Commanders. Hang out with me here for now. I want to thank you for making Locked On Commanders your first listen today and every other day that you come through. For my everydayers, tomorrow, again, our live mailbag. So if you've got questions, if you've got mock drafts you want me to dissect and dive into, send them over to LockedOnCommanders at gmail.com. Hit me up on Twitter at dharrison82. Drop them in the YouTube comments or text me anytime at 202 44 via subtext. Signing off for today, I'm David Harrison, staff writer for Commander Country, part of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, credential member of the media covering your Washington commanders. More importantly, hanging out with you today. I will be out at Ashburn on Thursday for Ron Rivera, Martin Mayhew's pre-draft press conference. If there's anything you want me to ask him, guys, shoot them into the mailbag as well, and we'll see if we can sift through there and find a good question for me to ask from the media pool on Thursday. Until we speak again, if you're out and about, please be safe, be kind to one another, and I'll see you right back here next time for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.